What's up, YouTube? How is everybody doing? My name is Matt. Sometimes I go by the grass factor. There's your vocal fry for the day. Uh, welcome. It's it's Thursday. It's uh, we're here. We're queer, and uh, we're 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 going to uh, we're here to serve. How about them apples? Uh, alongside me, I have Ray Ito, and we've got Jay Pink behind the keys, uh, playing the tunes that keep us going. Place a little jingle there, uh, Jay Pink. No, we'll do it live. Fuck it. There it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a, he's a mean one on the synthesizer. He can really roll it out there. Uh, Demay is is doing family things. Uh, every, everyone, keep him in your thoughts. That is, you know, real. Uh, real life stuff happens and uh, his family's, uh, you know, having to having to deal with real life stuff. That's tough. So uh, please keep him in your thoughts on your in your T's and pre's, your T's and P's, your thoughts and prayers. And uh, that uh, everyone in his family finds peace and solace in these difficult times. Um, that said, uh, we are going to be taking questions from the community today. Uh, we have a uh, we got a, we got a few things coming up over the next couple of weeks. Uh, we've got our Christmas special. We have our end of the uh, uh, end of end of the the, the year segment. That's going to be a lot of fun. You do not want to miss that. I'm telling you right now. That one's going to be that one's going to be absolutely batshit nuts, crazy, off the chain, wild. Uh, and as our, if you have seen our Christmas episodes in the past, I'm sure you can imagine the chaos that's coming with that too. Uh, hilarity will ensue. Uh, I think that's all the housekeeping I had to get out of the way. Oh, I did. I did a long ass video on MSMA. That's out. If you want to, you know, put that in your in your file away for later in the in the deep throes of winter when you're uh when the cabin fever is becoming too much and you want to start thinking about lawn care again that's that's one you can have fun with um uh, it was it was kind of funny i <laughs> gain trust did not sponsor that video i just did that and i was like i'm just curious i'm curious what the response will be and uh i sent that to mike <laughs> he he got a big kick out of it he's like dude you didn't tell me i was sponsoring the video i was like i know sorry i just did that i don't get paid by gain trust i don't get anything for free i pay for that and uh, I just, I enjoy, I enjoy getting swole. That's all. I am here to get swole. That is my, that is my 2023 goal, right? My goal is January 1 of 2024 is I'm going to be six foot four, 235 pounds at 10% body fat. I want to be jacked and fucking ready to, ready to throw down. There's my, yeah, there's my man. new year's goal. What's your new year's goal, right? New Year's goal, and I'm kind of close to it, is uh, when when January rolls around, I'm going to be 150. I like it. You're going. You're going uh, uh, a health health forward model as well, too, for 2024, huh? Oh yeah. I mean, because my actual intent is to hit the October of 2024 at least 155. Yeah, you're right. Not them apples. I think I think those are two <laughs> two solid goals. Uh, uh, professionally, my 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 two end of year. Well, my this will be my second. My one being my personal one. My my career goal is to have five new products on the market this year, uh, and no one will know what those products are. But I do want to see those in the space. I am on track to have that done. 
And uh, if I've got I've got some irons in the fire that are that are slated for the end of 2024 to come to fruition. And if that does, then I will have completed my goal. Right now, I've got my name on on three new ones that are that are pretty much done deals for 2024. But I want that I want to get that that five. I want to get to five. I think that that would be a career satisfaction um, for me. That would be that would be a next level career goal. Uh, do you, do you have any career conquests for 2024, Ray? Ah, none that I can think of other than to, uh, just maintain and, uh, think about winding down my business in Hawaii. I like that. I'm not going to lie. I really <laughs> like that. Maybe if, <laughs> if, uh, if these five products go well enough for me, I will be, I will be thinking about 2033, which is, which is my goal for having my business wound down. Uh, so maybe, maybe that'll be my goal, uh, after, after 2024 is that, uh, by, by 2033, I will be, I will be looking to wind my work career down, my career down and then start my, my second lease on life where I, I, I fight the losing war against nature. Uh, I, my wife and I are, uh, equally psychotic. There's, I mean, there's no other way to put it. We, we are broken in the, in the, in the, in the, the best of ways. And I, and I think that's why we're, we're together. I mean, we got married after knowing each other for four months. Right. And, uh, I mean, shit, my wife didn't even speak. I met my wife and married her four months later. She had just arrived in the United States didn't even speak English. And, uh, and you know, she, I was like, eh, fuck, you want to get married? She was like, yeah, it didn't quite go like that. But, um, anyway, we, we plan on retiring and then literally waging war against nature. We have a plan that we are going to, we're going to live on a boat. We're going to, we're going to cruise the oceans and, uh, and we're going to, we're going to take on extreme weather and everything else that, uh, the, the world has to offer and see if we can make it. If we do great, if we don't, from dust you come to dust you shall return, so to speak. And uh, you know, look, I have I have spent my career battling nature. I think it's only fair. I think it is only fair that uh, you know we we go, we go back to nature at the end, right? We we take from nature our entire life. We get back to it in our death, right? I think I think that's poetic. I think it's romantic. I'm sure there's a novel out there somewhere about it. There's certainly a poem or two, probably in classic literature. Maybe maybe Henry Miller wrote a wrote a poem about that somewhere in the Tropic of Capricorn or whatever one of his works is. Uh anyway, that's it. It's our New Year's resolutions. I think the celebrity death talk in the pre-show just has me like in a completely different state of mind. I'm not gonna lie. I am so fucking exhausted from work. Uh yesterday was probably the most challenging work day I've had in a long time. We had we had a client in from out of town, and uh, and we were attempting to make some granules that uh, a, a lot of people have been struggling to make. So it became a goal of mine to get these granules made, and I'll be damned if we didn't get it done like right at the end of the day. And uh, and I am exhausted, uh, and I am sore as shit. And uh, it is it is what it is. We made it though. We made it. Uh, that being said, this is community questions. So if you have uh, questions, by all means, feel free to throw them into the chat. I'll give you a little rundown on that. Um, uh, we we will take the questions first come, first serves, uh, first serve, and 
uh, Brent with a Hemingway quote. <laughs> of course you would quote Hemingway, <laughs> Brent. <laughs> I mean, a uh, 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 Hemingway work. Um, uh, yeah, throw them in there. We'll answer them first come, first serve. Uh, word of the warning is that sometimes we get a little long-winded answering questions. It may take us a minute. So if we don't get to it immediately, uh, give us a little time. We will eventually reach it. Uh, the other thing, too, is that fact check everything we say. Look, we're up here. We're doing this live. But how are we doing this, J-Pink? Oh, wait. No, I we'll do it live! Fuck yeah, I, and I caught him in the middle of typing, too. So <laughs> I had to do a little wizardry there to get that one off. Um, and uh, so anyway, fact check everything we said. We're human. We're fallible. We make mistakes. Uh, consult your attorney. Uh, you know, all, all the other, all the other, you know, whatever prereqs we have to get out there all right we do have a couple things butcher said uh ray come on down to east tennessee and i think he's talking about uh permanently or at least semi-permanently what are your thoughts on that hey i mean uh, i told you east tennessee is in my top uh, top three list uh, of places to relocate to it's you know quite here. well yeah, no, and you know damned well what my bottom three list of places to relocate to is. Uh, I'm going to guess San Francisco, Austin, Texas, and uh, Seattle, Washington. Maybe yeah. Portland, Oregon in lieu of uh, Austin, Texas. Portland, Oregon, yeah, because at least in <laughs> Texas, that is still a part of Texas, whether they like it or not. <laughs> yeah, so, you still own so a gun Texas in Texas laws apply. Texas laws apply, so you know I'm relatively safe in Texas. However, uh, w- have you heard about all of the shenanigans going on in Washington State? Horrifying, absolutely uh, no fucking horrifying. That what is going on in Washington State? Okay, right now Washington State continues to test the Supreme Court's Bruin ruling. Hmm. Okay, they're continually testing it. I mean, every time the Supreme Court issues a ruling, uh, the governor of Washington sees fit to enact yet another unconstitutional law. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm not super uh, shocked at that. No, I'm I'm not shocked, and of course, I'm watching all of this because the decisions made in the lower federal courts affect Hawaii as well, because that's within the same district. And guess where the federal court for the West Coast is, in none other than San Francisco, Lord. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think anybody truly wants to move to San Francisco. Why does it make me <laughs> laugh? I don't mean to bust out laughing there. Something's funny. Um, uh, Donovan Christ Christopher Christopher uh, Chris Christopherson mm-hmm. uh, said, "Crazy year mowed last week. First time ever mowing in December in Omaha, Nebraska." Yeah, I, you know, I'd say yes, indeed, that is weird, uh, but. You know, the, that area of the Midwest is just weird in general, right? Because y'all get like mega snows. But in the summer, I mean, a 113 degree day is just like, bah! 
you know, no big deal. That's, it's, that's it's normal. Like you got you got to plant 80, I mean. 86 day corn. Uh, uh, but you know, you're still, you're still <laughs> going to creep up on, you know, 40 C every day as your, uh, as your daytime highs. <laughs> I mean, that's a wild ass area. And if I recall correctly, it's humid as hell and it never rains. Is that, is that right as well? Did I, did I get that right? You got, you got that correct. It's, uh, How weird. Midwestern, no, Midwestern summers, uh, kind of remind me of a Hawaii summer, you know, humid as heck and I mean that's just uh, what it, what it is. And uh, remember now, we have a couple of our guys on the Discord FAFOing with Bermuda grass, and one of them is in Nebraska. Um, Joe said, "What is your favorite lawn product you'd want to receive for under a hundred dollars?" Man. I haven't wanted a lawn product in a long time. If I had a hundred dollars for something, I and I and it's and it's because I don't I don't work with lawns anymore. And I'll tell you right now, if you think I'm gonna spend money to go spray my grass right now, look, I've got two kids, uh, my and I, I have a family I have to support. I'm 37. They're in in private schools. I have no fucking money. I am not going to spend a hundred dollars or anything close to it on my life. If I am going to spend, you know, somewhere less than a hundred dollars on something, it would be uh, a, a nice ratchet set, <laughs> a nice ratchet set, maybe some spark plugs for my car, uh, which would not would not be a hundred dollars. It'd be twenty bucks, something like that. Um, I'm trying to think, man, I, but something for a long. Ah, I don't know. What would you get, Ray? I still have so much shit for my yard. Literally, I have decades of herbicides and fungicides. You have decades shit. of product, okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm kind of in. I'm kind of in the same boat where I wouldn't spend any money on the on the lawn. I'd uh, a fucking literally. weather station. I see Donovan Christopher said rain gauge, man, a, a, a weather station, a sub hundred dollar weather station. I'm not going to lie, Joe, that, that right there, in my opinion is that an $80 weather that station is worth a thousand eight hundred dollars to me. I think that's a fantastic thing. Well, for me, I, I, I wouldn't spend that, uh, on uh, on that, instead, what I'd spend it on is you know this is going to sound selfish and trivial and foolish, but I would spend that hundred on steaks and roasts <laughs> because I like seriously. It. Oh, I get I, it. I, kid I get you, it, man. I, I kid you not wow. because uh, a whole ass rib night, roast or something. No, I indulged myself last night. I I had a pot roast, right? And I literally ate about $20 worth of beef last night. Sometimes you got to do it. Miggity says, the question sounds like someone looking for a gift idea for someone into lawns. And I, I did catch that at the end. It took me a second to put that together. Sorry, uh, the uh, the mm-hmm. tism is, uh, is going off in my head sometimes. And I take things a little too literally. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I, oh man, for sub hundred dollars, a gift to give someone, um, 
I mean, a bag of seed is always if, like if they're in cool season land, right? A bag of seed. Um, cool if you're in cool season, warm season yep. land, a good uh, uh, mower blade sharpener. You know, I think I think that that could always uh, come in big handy, especially if they're like really into it. Um, hell, I mean, you can get some pretty decent battery powered sprayers now for less than a hundred bucks if you if you really do some digging. Uh, those are great, and if you want to upgrade it, you know. Uh, fit it with like a, a pressure gauge or something, so you can have real time monitoring of your of your spray pressure. I think I think that wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, yeah, you you have the uh, you have the setup for I guess precision application, and uh, mm-hmm. hundred will even buy you like a whole array of T jet nozzles. Oh yeah, 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 because. Uh, that reminds People me, I've got to buy nozzles tomorrow, Ray. I'm so glad you said that. Not T-Jets, but um, the, I, I, I'm trying the, to think, what is the brand? I, I cannot remember name, the name of my brand. It's sitting on my desk. But they're stainless Bex. steel. Um, Bex. There's Bex. Bex. There's, there's Elbows. And did you know that Spraying Systems makes a whole line of industrial process nozzles as well uh did you say spraying systems spraying systems matt i sure did yes because uh, i know that, that you, is I, the, the 40 50, yes i use spraying systems yes yeah because is you that company makes more than egg stuff because they're actually even bigger for the industrial process market Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking here. Yeah. I use the, uh, the, the spray systems, um, H one, uh, and depending on the product I'm using, I might do, I might do the 40 twenties. I might do the 40 fifties, you know, 40 fifteens. Mm-hmm. It, it depends on how much flow, I need, yeah. how much pressure, but, uh, yeah, I've got, I've got to order a set of those tomorrow. <laughs> it's not bad. I like 10 bucks a piece, you know, for a stainless steel. Shit. That's nothing. Yeah. Oh. All, all stainless, and the thing is, is that those nozzles or orifices are, I guess, known for their you know, high quality control standards. Because, you know, I've seen on AliExpress the clones of these various industrial, you know, orifices, and mm-hmm. my only thought is, uh, nope. <laughs> That's my only thought on it is nope. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll mm-hmm. I'll say this in 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 granulation though, and it de- it depends on what kind of binder you're using. You know, precision can be uh, uh, depending on the active ingredient can be incredibly important. So, um, you know, that's yeah. why. And yeah. the other thing too is corrosion, right? It, like if you're you're spraying a really high concentration of something that's really corrosive, like you know, has a bunch of you know, formaldehyde and some other crazy shit in it, then, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be on point yeah, you, with it. And you don't, you don't want to yeah, go got, cheap with a plastic nozzle, especially if it's got like suspended abrasive materials in it, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, boy, that can, that can wreck a nozzle in about an hour. Yeah. That, that'll mess up a nozzle big time. And that's why, uh, you spend the money on the spring systems orifice. And, have that thing made in 316 stainless steel, you're golden. Yep. I mean, that's, um, that's just uh, how it goes. <laughs> Gardner Earth Guy said, is anyone having an eclipse party? I don't think we can see it where I'm at. 
Can we? Do you know Jay Payton? I have no idea. Uh, I didn't even realize there was another one coming up. Like no, this year. It's got to it's be a lunar eclipse, right? It's, I know it's not a solar eclipse. I think it's a lunar eclipse. I feel like I, I, feel like I saw it in something. Um, Aldo said, come to, come to Cali. March. Hmm. Oh, Cali. I mean, that would be... Oh, it is a full solar. My, I'll be damned. Yeah. My idea of a... It's remote possibility, but then I would have to be on the Arizona border. okay i'd have to be near the arizona border i mean just because uh eric sand says here's a long one when it comes to various fertilizer coatings where can information about release rates be found i always see bags that just say things like polymer coat nothing more all right let me give you a rundown on this eric uh unless they specify anything over 45 days just guess it's 45 days and if you've seen any of Shaddix's work, you see that 45 days very rarely last 45 days. Um, and mm-hmm. it, it depends. I, the only thing, the only product that I would say is going to be closer to giving you what is on the label would be like uh, uh, you start getting into like duration 60, 90, 120. It's still not going to reach that point. But the likelihood of you getting closer to it, like duration 120 giving you 90 days is a fairly high probability. Duration 90 giving you 45 days is a high probability. Duration 60 giving you 30 days, there's a high probability. Um, the polyond uh, is, a, is a multi-step coding process. So polyond in and of itself typically usually is going to be closer to its rate at times. But if you pick up a bag of fertilizer and it just says 30% PCSEU, you can assume that is just duration 45 in it, right? Um, and and don't don't second guess it unless the bag says it is a 90 day fertilizer then it's specifying that the duration control these fertilizer portion of it is a 90 day coating but again that 90 day coating is determined at an ambient air temperature of 68 degrees fahrenheit meaning the higher the temperature you are over 68, uh, there is some calculus that you can use to uh, estimate what that dump time is. So, for example, uh, you can take a uh, uh, you can heat it to um, 80 C, I believe, or 85 C, and uh, and and uh, use an equation to determine what the actual release rate is. So, if you take like 120. Uh, duration 120 and you heat it to 85C, which is, I mean, it's, it's fucking hot. Let's be honest. That's really hot. But um, you you can measure the release rate and it's going to be like an hour, right? And uh, and then you can determine, you know, what the actual release rate at, you know, 68C would be, right? So it's kind of a, it, my point being is that it illustrates that temperature has a very extreme impact on that. But also the integrity of the prill, uh, right? Any kind of damage to the outer layer is also going to be a thing. Um, that doesn't matter if it's, so XCU is the budget one. So when you see PCSEU, that is XCU by Coke. Um, what, what is it? Uh, Allied Nutrients now is the merger between Coke and TCS. Yep. Um, right. XCU is, the, is their budget one. Their super budget one is just SCU, which is sulfur-coated urea. Um, that one is even more friable and likely to incur damage. 
Um, you still see it in some fertilizers, but uh, you know, typically, I mean, the the, the price per ton difference there is going to be like maybe a dollar a bag to go with XCU yeah. versus uh, uh, SCU. So it just makes more sense to spend the extra dollar a bag and deal with it. Um, uh, and then, but but again, you know, a a, a polymer coat that's going to last ninety days, one hundred twenty days, they will they will be so proud. It is in the bag. They will list it. Because here's the other thing is that if that's in the bag, it's going to be expensive. And because it's expensive, um, they are going to have to justify the cost of that bag. So you go and buy 120-day you know, duration, and you're paying $47 a bag. And you're like, why is a polymer-coated fertilizer costing $47 a bag when I'm buying a tractor-trailer load of it? Oh, because it's duration 120 in it, right? So they have to advertise that to justify the price that they're they're seeking for it. Um, so I I, ho- I hope that makes sense, right? If it is anything other than uh, uh, a forty five day, they will be very proud to tell you exactly how badass it is for sure to justify the price. Uh, Wayne Esser said Ryan spoke about leaf mulching. Is there a way to make these improvements if you only had evergreen tree trash? Oh shit! I'm gonna say no, uh, because that's all talking about leaf litter from deciduous trees. No, I can't think yeah. of anything. Yeah, I can't think of anything. And uh, you know, the leaf litter or the debris from an evergreen. My God, Matt. The tannins from that are just incredible. Yeah. Okay. The tannins from that are incredible. And of course, here's where you get into some squirrely stuff is that if you attempt to line to offset that acidity, then what you run the risk of is creating conditions where your evergreens are then chlorotic sickly and nutrient deficient because most evergreens thrive at a soil pH below six. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you try to do that, then you get into trouble. And, you know, my standard advice to somebody that has evergreens is wherever that evergreen tree is, don't try to have a lawn there. I recommend having a rhododendron and camellia garden there. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Nope. No, nope. I'm with you there. No grass for you. No grass for you. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Matt DeGooter said, hey, I'm in Utah, and I do a mow challenge with my buds to mow every month of the year. I don't know. How cool is that? That's, that's not a bad idea. Neat. Uh, in Utah, though, I'd say, I'd say that sounds like more for fun than practicality. Uh, Matt, I don't know. I, I recognize your name. I recognize your name, but uh, I was going to say I I hate mowing. So I'm glad there are people out there like you, uh, so I can continue <laughs> hate mowing, uh, and and I'll be I'll be to- totally okay with it. Um, there's the total eclipse news right there. Um, to- Turtle Galore says, "What is the best recommendation for getting rid of Bermuda trying to grow on my fescue?" Look. Uh, there are, this is, I should probably just do, I should just do a, a, a TV presentation on this, but I will say that the, uh, probably your most efficacious routes is number one is going to be glyphosate, right? But if you, if you already sowed your fescue and you're dealing with it, um, a couple things, right? 
I will say this. If you're asking this question, you're probably not ready to use fluazofab. And I'm, I'm just <laughs> going to be honest with you. It is a very risky product. I've seen more people kill grass than successfully control Bermuda with it when they don't have experience. Um, but you get a few seasons under your belt and you feel really comfortable and you've killed some grass before. So, you know, you, you've learned, you know, where you can push it and where you can't. Because flazifop is not one of those herbicides where you can push it. Like you have to be at the label or slightly under it. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and your your application has to be very precise. Uh, no, <laughs> no accidental oversteps, no accidental oversprays, no accidental drift mistakes, no accidental leaky hoses. Um, none of that shit because it is, it is too legitimate. So, um, that, that would leave you with uh, a couple of different options, right? And they're, they're both going to be the same bleachers, right? So either topramazone or mesotrione. Um, so that would be tenacity or pilex. And here is the kicker with it is that both, uh, tenacity, the only thing you're going to do is knock it back. You're not going to kill Bermuda. You're going to turn it white. And you can admire the uh, the fescue that does well in it to at least get it established, but it's ultimately going to end up being a losing battle. The flip side would be Pylex, uh, two applications or three three applications in the fall, really. And you would start that probably late July uh, and then late August. And then your third application at the time you oversee. And I would do it the exact same day you oversee. Your first two applications would have triclopyr in it to, to mitigate the bleaching and also enhance that kind of spectrum of control in Bermuda grass. Here's the other one. You're going to need to do that for about three years. Possibly four. And there's one more thing that you, need to, that you need to add to all of that, too. If somebody's going to embark on a Bermuda suppression program, highly recommended that they start incorporating estofumacete into either their Pilex or their Mesotrione apps because uh, I saw some work done where the intent was to suppress volunteer Bermuda grass in C sharp Espelum. And the efficacious application, of course, not this was not a one-time kill, this was part of a multiple app program, was Esophumacete plus Pilex. And what happened is the Bermuda grass was substantially weakened. There is one more piece to when Bermuda grass is showing up where you don't want it. There's one more piece. And I always harp on this one, Matt. I normally know of Bermuda grass becoming an issue when people are over fertilizing. Okay, so here is my textbook Bermuda grass takeover lawn. The lawn that is getting that ridiculous uh, Milorganite every single major holiday application program. Mm. Because that Bermuda benefits from summer nitrogen and phosphorus more than anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, because if somebody told me they had Bermuda in their cool season or St. Augustine lawn, what I'd advise them to do is see how low you can take down your nitrogen and phosphorus applications and still have your desirable grass survive. Mm -hmm. You know, 
I mean, I'd starve that lawn. Honestly, I'd starve it because the deal with Bermuda is a little bit of nitrogen, a little bit of phosphorus, and Bermuda becomes extremely aggressive. Mm-hmm. Especially when some of those applications of nitrogen and phosphorus are going down in spring and summer. Uh Paul Smith said, how do you feel about a round one at the Fumisate app on newly seeded, irrigated uh, uh, fescue? Uh, oh, send I have it. no issue send with it. it. Yeah. Send it, sir. Send it. I mean, if you're talking about Bermuda suppression, if you're talking about keeping poor annua at bay, I would re- kind of recommend it. And you know, Matt, I think SFMC is one of the more underutilized products in the transition zone. I, I I would agree. I would agree. I think it's under I, I think it's underutilized. And the reason why it's underutilized is because you, it is not a one app kind of a product. You gotta do it as part of a program where you have hit it in the fall twice, and then you hit it again. One more time in spring, round one, and then you wash, rinse, repeat the following fall, and you just constantly keep esophumicate on the lawn in question, and that will serve to really keep down your poa. That'll really keep it down. Um... Gardner Earthgas says, why hasn't IBDU caught on? It was kind of going mainstream, then vanished around 2005. Uh, I will tell you why is the um, the complexity of manufacturing that product at scale is really, <laughs> really difficult compared to other methods <laughs> that are out there, right? It's um, hard. Here's, you know, from the patent, right? You have an aqueous urea solution that has a urea concentration of about 40% to 80% by weight. Uh, The urea and isobutyraldehyde are present in approximately stoichiometric amounts. That would be two parts urea to one part uh, isobutyraldehyde. Um, uh, Then you add an emulsifier, uh, which would be some sort of glue. Here they use a liquefied animal glue. Remember the old uh, uh, turning... uh, what what was it? The, the horses get turned into glue. Yeah, here you go. Yeah, um, yeah. The losing resource goes to the glue factory. <laughs> the glue factory. Oh, yeah. Yikes. Uh, and then <laughs> ammonium salt uh, from either ammonium sulfate or ammonium phosphate is added to it, uh, and then it is heated to about forty C for the reaction to take place. Uh, they have to violently agitate it while it is reacting. Uh, and then they have to dry. We're starting at an aqueous solution. Remember that, meaning it's dissolved in water, right? And then you complete the reaction in solution with water. Then you have to dry it. So you have to basically re-precipitate it out, right? You have to dry out dry all, all the moisture. that moisture. moisture. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's ground into a powder. And then it's compacted into a, sh- a solid sheet. And then it's rolled through a roller compactor to, to cut it into granules. That as a manufacturing process sucks. Absolutely sucks. Do you know how much energy it takes something to go from 
100% moisture content to 1% moisture, <laughs> that sucks. And doing that at scale is, oh my God. You can do it in pharmaceuticals, you know, with like, you know, lifelizing things, right? Spray drying it, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. you're only doing a few pounds at a time. You know, you think about it, you, you do 10 kgs of a pharmaceutical product that's being dosed at 15 milligrams. Boy, you just served up a metric shit ton of doses. What does 15 kgs of fertilizer get you? What is that? 30, 35, 36 pounds? Yeah, nothing. Nothing. Not, 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 not enough. Not enough. And uh, no. There, I can think of one more factor with IBDU. Hmm. I call IBDU the two to four year fertilizer. And you know why I call it the, the two to four year fertilizer? Uh, one application, yeah, yeah, one application is good for up to four years, if not longer. Think about it. If you plan on using two pounds of nitrogen per year and it's going to release for four years, that means in a single application, you have to apply eight pounds of N from mm -hmm. something that is already astronomically expensive. Yep. It was like nitroform. I remember when nitroform, you know, was, was getting popular there for a little while. I would say probably not too long after 2005, right? Is when, uh, you know, that was being hucked at me a lot, hawk, hawked at me a lot. And, uh, and it was this idea, you know, that, uh, that you could put it down once and then you start doing the math, you're like, do it once. Okay. At uh, we'll do that at two pounds. That'll be, that'll be roughly, you know, uh, you know, three, three quarters of a pound of N for a year. Like, mm, uh, that doesn't, that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't make sense. And then the other, the other problem or factor becomes IBDU does not release right away so you got to figure out your immediate release kicker to go with that app right and so it just doesn't work out as advertised uh the only place that i've seen ibdu for type formulations be successful is when they're incorporated into large masses that are intended for feeding trees and shrubs. I, I've used blends with IBDU in it before and absolutely loved it that way, right? So you had mm -hmm. you had more control over the initial release. Um, mm -hmm. it, and Garner Earth Guy is talking about using it in Seattle. I could see that, right? Because, you know, you, where you've got excess water, what a perfect thing for you, right? Yeah, it's not um, going anywhere. <laughs> no, yeah, ain't going that. nowhere. It ain't going to dissolve, I'll tell you that. Uh, so yeah, I bet you did have good success with it. And again, as a, as a component in a blend that does make a lot of sense to me because it is, it is slow. Right. And so if you can jumpstart it with, with something fast, like you could truly do like one of those 180 day one and done products with it, right. Where you do, you do like a duration 90, 120 and IBDU, and then sprinkle in a little bit of uh, ammonium sulfate. Yeah, or something. I'd probably yeah. only do that as a greens grade product. I wouldn't do it as a, mm -hmm. as a 220 or larger SGN. Um, but you could get away with the true one and done there, you know, three pounds of in per thousand or something. I think that'd be a pretty Matt, good season long. That's after. actually where I, saw, where I saw IBDU is that mm -hmm. for a time in the, in the 1990s and 2000s, there was a line of IBDU, greens fertilizers but then the way you were supposed to apply them and use them was totally different from other greens fertilizers because 
you were supposed to mix the IBDU granule with the sand media used to construct the green. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, I Matt? do remember that. I do remember that. Right? Yeah. You, were supposed to, you were supposed to dose the sand and peat moss base that you're using to construct the brand new green. And the idea was is that you can then sprig your bent grass or Bermuda grass into that and your nitrogen is taken care of through the first year of establishment. Yeah, that was the intent. It was so funny. Uh, I think so. I had a rep from I want to say it was Regal Chemical at the time, um, mm-hmm. and and they were man. They had an IBDU granular that I think was under like their spider line. I can't remember what it was. I felt like I had a Black mm-hmm. Widow on, on the on the label or something. It's been so long ago, it's like two thousand seven, well, two thousand six. But um, anyway, I, that I remember uh, the the rep when we were starting to build the greens. Uh, mm-hmm. talking about incorporating the, the material I mean, in, you... in with the sand. Yeah. And and then mm-hmm. we priced it and was like, uh, nope, we're not going to do that. Nope, nope. I mean, you see, that, the reason why that was like problematic was going back to what you said about application rates, Matt. Mm-hmm. Because can, can you imagine having to blend in enough nitrogen from ibdu like say six to eight pounds of n into that you know sand media mix per thousand square foot can you imagine having to do that i mean it's you're doubling your cost of from the sand right so you got you got sand and then yeah and then you got all this fertilizer fertilizer in it when between you me and the walls uh when I'm growing in, my normal, my go-to on sand base is good old one one one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, <laughs> right. One one one. Send it. <laughs> uh, Donovan also said, "What's the curve look like for release on time release fertilizers?" And now, I, I, since we were talking about PCU and SEU earlier, I, I'll throw up this one. So the first one, J Pink, that I sent you is this is the advertised release curve, right? And. Mm-hmm. When you control temperature at 70F, this is what the release curve looks like, right? Nice, uniform, steady. You know, and if you have a perfect release curve, it, it should be a line that looks like this, right? It should be a perfect diagonal line. Um, you see there, it's got a little art to it, right? So not exactly perfect, but that's, I mean, you know, it's Close not enough. bad, right? But that's controlled at exactly 70F. Now, show the other chart, JPink, and we'll show you what reality actually looks like right <laughs> when you don't control uh the temperature right and you know this is simulated in a lab but i think this is a lot closer to reality right remember that arch that we're looking for i mean that straight line we're looking for in reality you get a lot of arching and dips and big jumps and uh not not uh this perfectly beautiful line right it's real squiggly and chaotic and all of a sudden you've got 40% and then you jump to 60% release and then it trails off and then you'll have a big dump from 30 to 70%, you know, just 40% of it just blah, gone. And, uh, yeah, and, and, and that is on. closer to reality. Right. Um, and it's, mm-hmm. it, that's still better, right? If you need to buy the time, don't get me wrong. That, that that's better than 
you know, trying to apply three pounds of, of nitrogen from urea at one time and hoping it lasts. I mean, it, it's just, you got to remember it is not, uh, it, it's not perfect, right? None of these are perfect. Now that's PCU, PCSU. Um, but, uh, the, the other one that is, is going to be a little weirder would be like, I talked about nitroform, which is, uh, a, a urea formaldehyde is going to be really slow, right? So that one is also one of those that year number two, it may start to shine. Um, IBDU is another one that's going to be really slow. Uh, there's methylene urea as a, as a granule with a little bit shorter carbon chain on it. It'd be a little bit quicker, but, um, uh, still, know you know, methylene. probably that 100, 120 day range before you're getting, actually, you know, total release. Actually, mesylene urea, what, I, what I've seen out of mesylene urea, at least in warmer areas, is that you can count on mesylene urea to hold you 45 days. And the beauty of mesylene urea is the fact that mesylene urea also is not dependent on a coating. Because yeah, it is mesylene a- urea... It's a polymer. It's like a literal poly- yeah, a homogeneous polymer. And then nitroform. Oh, Matt. I don't know if you've ever seen this stuff, but I remember this product called uh, Nitroform 90 Blue. Uh, was that a liquid? Oh, no, that's just the granular. Uh, no, uh, no. Nitroform 90 Blue was the suspendable powder yes okay yes so that's what we used to tank mix with msma back in my real early lawn care days (laughs) true green yeah and the thing about that nitroform is that that micronized uh, urea form powder the best that it would do under normal circumstances is that would give you about 60 days because that was a powder, an insoluble powder, that was hell to spray. That was absolute hell to spray. I mean, that's, that's what I remember of it, because that nitroform powder was in the line of uh, bagged, pre-formulated liquid fertilizers for trees and shrubs. Yeah, uh, so... Uh, th- and uh, apparently that was the reason why all the trucks had beam pumps on them, mm-hmm. uh, was, was because of that product. Yeah. You, the, the big, uh, John Bean, uh, thousand gallon spray rigs because the John Bean spray rig was a mechanically agitated, uh, tank. There was a big shaft that went straight across the bottom of the tank and you turn the engine on and those uh the paddles on the shaft would spin because you know Mm -hmm. that little that little christmas tree agitator that was probably plumbed wrong anyway on most sprayers Mm -hmm. that would not that would not be enough to mix or keep suspended that Nitroform 90. No way. No, no. no we way. had the big paddle mixers, man. And you could, oh my God, you, you dump, you dump a bag of KCL in your tank um, and you could foam it right out of the room. Simazine and KCL in a tank and just, oh my God, 
foam worms <laughs> that, that are like, you know, 18 inches in diameter. It was beautiful. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a wonderful thing, but uh, yeah, I I just remember that Showing formulation is if you you know if you needed a slow release liquid, one of the options back in the day was Nitroform Blue Ninety. Yeah, that that was one of the options because I remember it being also sold to law for lawns. Only thing is, is that. Damn, we're talking about like trying to spray two pounds of powder per thousand square foot. I mean, that was just like I said, not a fun application to have to make at all. Uh, Dan, the lawn man said, "How quickly and how long does straight urea last?" Uh, it it lasts for uh, a few hours, um, but in terms of color response, here's the other thing too: is right color response. It's going to be roughly 30 days. I think that's an easy way to put it. When we're talking about release curves on these fertilizers, right, you you may have a 60-day release or a 40-day release. You know, So you get a duration 60, and it, it takes 40 days for it to release. When it finishes releasing, you can add another maybe two weeks, maybe three weeks to color response on top of that, right? So the idea is to extend the length of color response that you that you end up getting. Uh, uh, straight urea, you know, it's all dumping at one time. So in a few hours, once it's irrigated and taken up by the plant, um, you know, you, uh, it's, it's, it's gone, but it's in the plant and, and, you know, you've, you've got, you've got adequate in, in the plant. And so, you know, 25, 30 days, somewhere in that range, you know, you're going to have a response from that urea application. So I want to make that clear too, right? It's not that. And uh, it, it's not that you're going to get, uh, you know, just a few hours of color response or a week of color response. And people that are talking about applying urea and it only lasts a week, something is wrong. Urea, I, I don't care where you are, uh, should respond for longer than than one week. If it's not responding longer than one week, there's something else going on that you need to solve. You got, you got bigger issues going on if you mm -hmm. don't get a prolonged color response because... I've seen two instances where urea-based fertilizer, for example, has just bombed. And situation number one, acidic soil. Yeah, that's what situation I was going to say. No, situation number two, which is even worse, would be soil with pH over seven. Yeah, alkaline soil. Then I, yeah, then I get that really, like, here and gone type response from the uh, from a urea application, and that's when I start to look at and start selling. Somebody needs a pH management program that will probably benefit them more than piling on more and more fertilizer. Because here's what I know: when soil is with is between that pH six to pH seven range is you put down a tenth of a pound or two cents of a pound of nitrogen from urea, that grass is green as all gets out for at least a month. That's that's urea response right there. Uh, Lon Radian said, my Thanksgiving cactus is blooming just in time for Christmas. Hallelujah. Uh, enjoy your mescaline trip. Um, 
I'm assuming that's that's what you plan on doing with that. Uh, Chuck said, thoughts on Phenoxaprop versus Pylex uh, for the prior Bermuda grass question. Uh, Acclaim is also the the trade name for uh, Phenoxaprop. Yep. Uh, good good luck. It's it's just not. You'll Hell you'll yeah. you'll ding it. In, in my opinion, you're going to get the same degree of efficacy as you would out of Mesotrion. Different different mode of action, but in terms of control, Phenoxapro- I would rate them yeah. the same level of suppression. Phenoxaprop by itself is only moderately damaging to Bermuda. Only moderately damaging. And however, here's my where I can see Phenoxaprop having a use case. If somebody has a mixed lawn where they have your standard cool season mix that has fescue, KBG, some rye in it. And if that's their case, then they are well advised to please do not experiment with fluazifop because fluazifop will take out rye and KBG quick. It'll knock it off uh, quick. <laughs> Lawn Raider said, if anyone could bring back mainstream IBDU, it's Matt. He's the bulk blender, drag auger, and screw equipment <laughs> operator connoisseur. It's, it's funny because he and I were talking. Uh, earlier today about uh, some some projects uh, and some uh, electrical electrical enigmas uh, related to all <laughs> those things and and boy it was it was a doozy. I was asking way more questions that were outside of his realm on the project. <laughs> I was just curious. <laughs> I think it's interesting. Uh, and it's, I will say again, Lawn Radiance, kudos to that that guy who was forward thinking enough to do that, but. You know, like I said, I, I just I don't think he thought forward enough. Uh, so temperature has more of an effect than moisture. I guess a better way to phrase it, if we were getting a lot of rain or the irrigation is running every three or four days, does the water or the temp affect the release rate more or are they related? If you have a constant water and we'll say it's it's irrigated or a lot of rain, if you have a constant water, temperature is your determinant factor. Just straight up, flat out. That's that's how it's going to work, because. The, what it does is the polymer lets water in and then it slowly diffuses out. And then the rate of diffusion on the way out is not influenced by the presence of water. It's influenced by temperature, right? So um, yes, in certain instances, could you get enough water that you end up causing rupture and then it fails? It's possible. But again, all these polymer coatings are polyurethane. And uh, mm-hmm. polyurethane is going to be is going to be pretty durable in that regard that, you know, a water rupture is not likely to occur. Um, so you can you can pretty much bet diffusion is going to be way more influenced by temperature than water in that regard. Um, sure. Eric said, I wonder how variances in the bonds could uh, could add enough complexity to a coating to make it release more linear. Yeah, and I and it's it is it is a never ending ongoing chemistry battle. I'll I'll say that now. What has been settled on is is basically polyurethane, right? Um, that is that is for sure. But there are a lot. And Eric, if you want to talk offline about, I I cannot talk about it uh, publicly, but I can at least talk to you about some of the other things that are in the background that are that are that are stewing in that regard. But Poly, polyurethane is the modern go-to. Um, you know, there's some. They're looking at different modifications of polyurethane, right? Like um, during during the the coating process, can you add something before you flash dry it in order to uh, 
uh, add another layer of efficiency that would create a more linear release rate? Um, are there other novel products that are not going to be so heavily influenced by temperature to affect diffusion? Can you do a multi uh, a multi-active ingredient, multi-layer coating process, right? So think like Osmocote, which could be like uh, paraffin wax plus polyurethane. Um, there's there's lots of different things that are out there, but the ultimate that you have to come down to as well is what kind of price can you fetch for it? <laughs> you know, you can guarantee you there are a dozen different coating technologies out there that you can do to make it release as perfectly linear as you want it to be. However. However, um, if your cost to produce a ton of, a ton of fertilizer is $1,000 a ton just in cost of goods, um, and then you have labor on top of it, uh, uh, and then you have the cost of urea on top of it, then chances are you're not going to sell a whole lot of that at all. Nope. Right? Uh, it's like nitroform. Do you know how much nitroform gets sold in the U.S.? Not a lot. Um, uh, but duration 45, you know how much gets sold in the U.S.? A billion dollars, tons, if not more. Tons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I, you know, well over two hundred thousand tons. And then, if you if you took in ESN and stuff that's used that's marketed, you know, more to ag. Uh, I mean, it's billions of dollars. A million tons probably is sold. Maybe a little over a million tons a year. So, yeah, uh, shit tons. A uh, turtle galore said. Last question for the day: Does fertilizer clump? That's funny. In all honesty, should I send my soil test to be tested? Uh, should I send my tools to soil to be tested? It depends on who you ask. If you have never tested it before and you want to find a starting point with it, just so you have that data, by all means, yeah, do it. And make sure you have like a male three test done. Don't, don't do a, a uh, uh, an ion exchange <laughs> resin test. Don't do a my soil test or what, what are the other ones? Soil savvy. Yeah, don't do that. Soil savvy. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. Make sure Send it, it is a, a reputable uh, lab, please. Yeah. Um, uh, and the reason why is that at least gives you a data, uh, a data point. Right. And then do you really need to make changes to what you're doing? Like, again, is where, where I would say that in my opinion, as a starting point, you can get ahead of problems. You pull a soil test and you're at 40 parts per million of potassium. And then you, 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 you can start. Uh, making adjustments for that from the get-go, right? You can you can start you know applying like a a fifteen oh fifteen or you know a twenty oh twenty or whatever, and build that up. Mm-hmm. Um, versus if you didn't do it and just started applying nitrogen, and then a year in, all of a sudden you're twenty parts per million and your grass is starting to look sick and you can't figure out why, right? Well, if you had that data point, you could have been proactive about it. But um, so I understand, you know, Shaddix is going to take the standpoint, just apply nitrogen until you see something wrong and then make a corrective application. I come or from the world of lawn a- care that when there's a mm-hmm. problem, I lose customers, I lose money. Therefore, I suffer. My family Hell suffers. Yeah. And so I'd rather be proactive about it. And I'm not going to say one is right or wrong. Uh, you, you you choose your own destiny, so to speak. How about them? Well, and more importantly, the reason why I say reputable lab is a reputable lab will be able to provide you with a very accurate soil pH reading. Because oh, yeah, you see, too. you know, Matt, I basically live and die by having soil pH where it's supposed to be. You know, I don't get all caught up in 
iron levels, uh, phosphorus levels, potassium levels, all of that. I don't even get caught up in that because you know what kills me is if somebody's soil pH is out of an acceptable range. That's when I get into trouble. It's not nutrient levels so much as pH that gets me in trouble. Uh, it is, uh, I don't get caught up on phosphorus. I do on potassium because there for a while, uh, I, I saw a lot of people that were running great. I, I, I mean, there was like a two year stretch where, uh, people have been in, in lawn care specifically been on, you know, just spraying urea year round or, or UAN mm-hmm. year round. And then, you know, mm-hmm. after a few years of it, you start, you start looking at, they're running into problems and they're asking what's wrong. Then they post a soil test and they're, you know, at. 30 parts per million of potassium. You're like, oh, well, that could be a contributing factor. Um, so I, I do, I do get a little hyper about potassium more than I probably should, but not until like my personal thing is that when I dip below a hundred parts per million, that's when I start thinking about it. If I'm above or at a hundred parts per million, I typically don't think about it. So, you know, and that, that's sure. ultimately just up to whoever the turf manager is and whatever they feel comfortable with. And, you know, I'm not going to tell you what you should feel comfortable at. That's, as you would develop experience, you'll, you'll develop that mindset as well with the fertilizer clumping thing. I'll say this is that fertilizers are salt. doesn't mean they are salt. It's not sodium chloride, but, uh, they are, they are ionic, uh, ionic materials, right? When they go into solution, uh, they go into solution as ions, right? And so, uh, they are, uh, uh, salts from a, a chemistry standpoint. Um, and what that means is that most salts are going to have a degree of hygroscopicity, uh, meaning that, uh, they will attract water, uh, versus, uh, hydrophobicity, which means repels water, right? Most salts are going to be hygroscopic. So, um, if it is, has an attraction to water and it's readily soluble, if you if you d- create a layer of it that has started to dissolve with with water, it sticks to another granule or it comes in contact with another granule that's also slightly dissolving, and uh, and say that water that was that was on it um, uh, dries out and it, it it dries out because the sun came out or whatever right you open the bag and you expose it to the atmosphere and it and it dries out a little bit well guess what it's going to dry back clumps. Uh, it'll recrystallize as a single granule. And now you've got a double granule as a single granule. Well, you multiply that by the hundred thousand granules in the bag and now you got a brick, right? So yeah, hundred percent, it does clump. And that's why it clumps. Uh, Steven Meyer said best practice for controlling crabgrass in the spring after a fall Kentucky bluegrass reno located in New York. Want to give Kentucky bluegrass a chance to grow them without putting stress on the roots by applying brodiamine. Uh, I guess you could do, uh, is, is ethyfumosate label for Kentucky bluegrass? It is, it is, yeah. it's non-root pruning and uh-huh. this is, this is a use case for, and ethyfumosate and mesotrione, because I know a little intricacy about New York that rules out what I normally suggest to people. Hmm. Okay. I forgot the rules of New York. Okay. Okay. In New York, you are not allowed under any circumstance to broadcast apply quinclorac. Sad. Because normal 
No, because normally when somebody tells me they have recently established cool season turf and they need to prevent crabgrass, I tell them to put down quinclorac DF at the rate of a pound per acre. Yes. <laughs> that. Yeah. Yep. It's full rate. Uh, and that, and that would be a good option, but you can't do that in New York. Uh, tenacity. I'll say this would be an instance where tenacity would not be a bad idea. Um, until, so until it's you a get, a, seat. get it grown in. Yeah. Um, so it's yep, a fumicate fumicate for the first season. Yep. Yeah. Because you know so, what people don't realize about as a fumicate is as a fumicate is actually a pre-emergent. Mm-hmm. It is actually a pre-emergent herbicide above all else, and it actually has substantial activity against the various crabgrass varieties mm-hmm. as a pre-emergent. So you can very well put down a labeled rate app of esophumicate with tenacity, and that would be my suggestion for covering for crabgrass during this first year, the following year, when the Kentucky bluegrass has gone through summer and has become more hardy, then the following spring, you can put down your prodiamine and you'll be okay. How's that? Ethafumisate <laughs> uh, uh, is also known as Prograss, and uh, Poa Constrictor is another name for it, so... Um, yep. Anyway, if you're wondering what that is, F-O-E-T-H-O, Fumisate, F-U-M-E-S-A-T-E. Uh, mm. Love My Lawn says, what does a brick and a fat white girl have in common? Uh, at the end of the day, they will both be laid by a Mexican. Love you, Aldo. Uh, before anybody calls us racists, um, that is an inside joke because Aldo, by the way, shout out and congrats to Aldo. Uh, an all a student, uh, first recipient of our turf grass, um, uh, scholarship and absolutely just has killed it this entire time and is about to waltz his way into a, a hopefully a long lasting and fulfilling career in this industry. And gosh, damn it. Good for you, Aldo. Um, but yeah, here's, here's the thing. Let my lawn is, uh, Aldo, Aldo is—he's the king of big booty Latinas. I don't—I don't think he's into big white girls. I don't know. I'm just saying. Actually, I, I'll say this: I doubt it'd be too picky. Um. Anyway, as long as long as long as they have big asses, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, uh, Radiance is using AMS with good results. I—I I would agree. I would do that too, especially where you are. Um. Can I get Ray to shoot the finger and say get fucked? <laughs> to whom? <laughs> uh, do it to driver. How about that? Okay. Hello, driver. Get fucked. Love <laughs> you, sir. We have to send that to driver. Uh, <laughs> Earth guy says this is an old bottle for eye drops. Okay, to mail MSMA in. Uh, the, I'm going to say right now, no, that is not, no one should be handling MSMA, but if you do, do drop it in your eye first. Uh, Jacob said, <laughs> you get a soil test, why not? Don't have to do it every year. And I think, I think that's a, uh, that's a, that's a good point, right? Um, uh, it, it is cheap. It's easy to do. And like I said, it gives you a data point, right? 
and then you can track what happens over time. And you know, like I'm probably not going to pull a soil test more than every three years, and that's in a lawn care, you know, quote unquote professional capacity. And uh, and uh, you know, and a lot of times you see, you know, effectively no change that warrants any kind of like major correction on what you're doing. You might catch an outlier or whatever that you can then upsell, but for the most part, I think you'll see everything kind of trend consistently into more congruent, like homogenized look between the lawns rather than like, you know, shit getting real weird on one and real weird on the other. It's like, they all kind of like start out here and then they kind of like end up right. Right. Which is good. It all levels out. You want to have it. All, it yeah. all, levels, mm-hmm. all levels out because like what I frequently tell people is you should not see a dramatic response from your turf applications. That's what yep. I tell people. You shouldn't see a response because it, I tell people if you do see a dramatic turf response, that means that all along something's been way off and the applicator is slacking, is not on the ball. <laughs> this is the truth. Um, yeah. We have come to the end of questions. Uh, that means we have been talky talky for an hour here. Uh, a couple of things again, everybody keep, uh, keep demanding your thoughts and prayers. Uh, you know, his family's having to deal with shit, real world shit, right? That actually matters. Don't forget our upcoming shows we have coming up are going to be awesome. Check out the MSMA video. Um, by the way, people comment, uh, comment on the MSMA video and tell me what you want me to do next, because I'm going to have some time this, this winter to, to crank these out. And I, I, I really enjoy doing that for whatever reason. It's been so long that actually just biting the bullet and doing it. And I was like, holy shit, that was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, so I'll put together some more of those. If you just pick some topics, I kind of want to do ones about fertilizer, uh, like slow release fertilizers and stuff like that, just because I, I work with it all day. Um, uh, but also herbicides too. I like talking about herbicides also. So, you know, that's fine. Everyone comment asking for Eric's lawn. Uh, probably not going to do that. I'll tell you that I fucking hate. I, I do not like. <laughs> it's one of those things, right? I have physically changed so much since then. I hate to go back and look at myself in the videos if I'm being uh, vain for a moment. You are uh, a fucking pussy. <laughs> I was JP, a fat ass yes. <laughs> and I was better. I mean, don't get me wrong. I lost like 50 pounds in those videos, uh, but I just, I still don't looking at myself then versus where I am now. Uh, Kim Lab content is much preferred. I appreciate that, Greek Geek. I know, I know you particularly get off on that. And uh, I, to be mm-hmm. honest, God, I do too. Um, and I'm also do some more short clips from stuff I'm working on at work. Like tomorrow, I've got I've got some lab work to do, and I'm I plan on recording that. I planned on recording this trial I was doing, but it was so chaotic um, that there was <laughs> no way I could yeah. stop and pull out a, a, a phone to watch. Um, but yeah, Eric, I think I can do more about about the various coatings and stuff like that um and then i want to do a private one for our our discord members and uh and and talk you know what was it uh we were talking about um uh some uh, shit related to uh lime alternatives for for uh ph and some different stuff that you can achieve with with fixed carbon uh, and, uh, so anyway, I kind of want to do a private presentation for the group in there because, uh, kind of some interesting things that I'm reading more about that I haven't previously been involved with. It just kind of popped into my head that I had uh, someone actually 
uh, at work ask about doing that. So it sent me down the research wormhole. So I thought I'd share that with uh, with our Discord. If you're interested in joining the Discord, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash burn return. It is behind a paywall, you know, for a couple of reasons. One, that's what allows us to do things like the scholarship, uh, like our meetup in Louisville every year. Um, and then the other thing, too, is that it keeps the riffraff out, you know, it, that it, people who are genuinely learning about who are interested in learning about being better people. Um, and what I mean by that is that in the discord, it's that it's not just grass that gets talked about. It's not just soil that gets talked about. It's real life shit. And we had a long talk the other day about, you know, uh, our, our, our youth and you know, what are we doing as a society that might be negatively impacting our, uh, our youth. Uh, we do, we do like talking about, about big booties. I married a big booty Asian woman and, uh, we have a colloquial <laughs> term that, you know, she's uh, Asian in the streets, Latina in the sheets. It's inside joke. Um, and then, you know, other shit, like if you're into fitness, obviously Ray and I are, are big into fitness and, you know, we have, we have a group that is in that. Um, and it was, uh, it was, it was a great time. Uh, it is a, a great time in there. Uh, it, illnesses, you know, home remedies, all, all kinds of stuff. I mean, literally music. If you're a music junkie, we have literal, audio experts uh audio engineers multiple audio engineers uh incredibly talented musicians uh incredible it people lawyer uh lawyers um and and so and matt here's another one for you all is that what i've come to realize is that you know most of the guys on the discord all of these guys can cook i mean how's that there is most of these guys, most of these guys most of these guys can cook i mean because you know mentioning aldo aldo is putting me up to i guess make genuine tamales how's that he's putting me up to to do that because uh we were talking about that uh, several days ago and he said yeah it's not hard to do Man, I mean, again, <laughs> if you're interested in being a better a better dude, like legitimately, the the Discord is is the place to be. It's like five bucks a month at the at the the, the cheapest you can get on it. It's a, cheaper than a than a beer, and it's literally like a beer a month, right? And you don't even have to you don't even have to drink the beer. So uh, there's plenty of guys in there that will drink the beer or bourbon or whatever you want <laughs> of your choice. Uh, but if you're interested in being a better dude, a better dad, better husband, better family person, just better at your career, whatever it is you do for a living, there's people in there that are on that same journey and want to talk to you about it and and have a community with you about it. Dan Lawman said the Discord saved my life. I I, I hope that's a stretch, but uh, man, watching watching the journey you've been on, that it makes me not want to complain about a whole lot. <laughs> that is for sure. It makes me sometimes just remind myself I need to shut the fuck up and and just stick to it, right? <laughs> Uh, the, the yeah. kind comment from, from Gatlin Huff, man, welcome. Uh, I hope, I hope your first 15 minutes were enough to come back, come back, check it out. Uh, we're here Thursdays and then we have a video go, uh, a video go live on, uh, on, on Wednesday. We actually live record it on, uh, on, uh, on Thursday and I'm sorry, on Sunday. And, uh, and of course our, our discord members get to get to tune into to that, uh, that live one, um, hey, the end of the year uh, will be do what? I was going to just say, reminder, this Sunday is our last recording of Burn and Return for the year. Yes. Uh, then it's Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. Yes. Did you right. hear that? Uh, this mm-hmm. Sunday will be our last live recording of uh, Burn and Return for the year, and then we'll kick off to the next year. 
Uh, plus then the historical archive of all the, all the burn and return shit. And, uh, and then, you know, we, we get on, on zoom and, and have video chats and all that fun shit, you know, cut <laughs> up and get drunk together and whatever else it is we do. Uh, yeah. And there's only one rule, you know, what happens in the discord stays in the discord. Uh, that is literally the only rule. And, uh, and if you violate that rule, we will kick your ass out. That is the only reason anyone has ever been kicked out. Um, by the way, and I want to make this point. I meant to do this at the start and I've, I've got to email Chris P uh, if anybody saw the end of the the last uh, burn and return episode, I am so sorry. I didn't, I did not put two and two together. I went back and I listened to what I said in the show, and it was not clear what I had said in the pre-show. I homogenized the two in my brain, and uh, and so one hundred percent, Chris, I owe you an apology. I'm going to send you an email on that, and uh, and and try and justify being uh, a dickhead. Uh, but, uh, and like I said, I, I try more to wear, wear my heart on my sleeves and get it out of my mind. So I don't boil over like a psychopath. Although it seemed like I boiled over like a psychopath. I promise you that's mild compared to what it used to be like 10 years ago when I would get mad or 15 years ago when I would get mad, uh, I would, I would destroy things. I mean, that's, uh, I'll tell you one day about how I broke my hand. It was, uh, it was, it was an adventure. I, I, I broke it in multiple places. But you know what? I almost punched a hole through the concrete. Um, anyway, I digress. Uh, okay, we're going to go hang out with our patrons now. Patreon.com forward slash burn and return. Uh, and, and yeah, hope you all have a good one. Get you on the flip side. Bye! I made some mistakes. I made some mistakes. <laughs>